Hiya, Tim here with a message before the podcast. Due to rights reasons, the songs have been shortened for this podcast. Every song is taken from Tiz for his album, The Hurting. All tracks are written by Roland Orzabal. The Hurting was released on 7th of March 1983 on Mercury and Phonogram. Now, enjoy the podcast. Tim's listening party was a lockdown sensation. Unfortunately, it was on Twitter, which you can't listen to. But Absolute Radio has the solution. Tim Burgess explores seminal albums alongside the artists who brought them to life. Absolute Radio presents Tim's Listening Party with Tim Burgess. Hiya, and welcome to another series of Tim's Listening Party on Absolute Radio. I'm Tim Burgess, and I'm excited to be sitting down with another band to play a classic album together. If you've missed any episodes of the show, previously I've gone through classic albums with the likes of New Order, The Bangles, The The, Fall Out Boy, The Kinks, U2, Texas and many more. Catch up by searching for Tim's Listening Party wherever you get your podcasts. A big part of the show is the discussions that we have on social media. So get involved on Twitter by tweeting at Tim underscore Burgess and at Absolute Radio using the hashtag Tim's Listening Party. This episode I'm joined by one of the best bands to emerge from the 1980s. So much so. In 2021, they were honoured with the Ivor Novello Award for Outstanding Song Collection in recognition of their era-defining albums and critically acclaimed innovative hit singles. Their debut album, The Hurting, celebrates its 40th anniversary this year, having reached number one in the UK and spawning three top five hit singles. From there, they only got bigger and bigger, with multi-platinum number ones on both the album and singles charts in the US. It's Kurt Smith and Roland Orzabal, a.k.a. Tears of Fears. Kurt, Roland, thank you for coming in and talking about The Hurting today. It's our distinct pleasure. Now, Kurt, we've, we've done a, a few Twitter listening parties. We, um, we have indeed, yes. It, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, it was really fantastic. And The Hurting was a, you know, yeah. especially great one. Yeah, The Hurting, Songs on Big Chair. That was yeah. also with Chris Hughes on as well and yeah. Dave Baskin. So that was fun. So Chris uh, produced this album. Is that right? Merit. Yeah. 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 I did uh, an Adam and the Ants cover version with him once. Well, it was weird with the Adam and the Ants thing that we didn't, when we first met Chris and he was suggested as a producer, we didn't know he was Merrick. Right, right, yeah, because it, on, on, on the album it, it doesn't say Merrick, does it, at all? No, it says Chris yeah, produced yeah, it, yeah. Merrick was the drummer, and you yeah. don't realise they're one and the same person. Yeah. Um, but we actually wanted to work with him because of an album by a band called Dalek I Love You. Yeah, yeah, I remember them, yeah. Um, which we both loved, so that was actually the reason we wanted to meet him and, and work with him. It was nothing to do with Adam and the Ants at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there's some great percussion on the album. There is, yeah. Well, was, did he influence, you know, much of that? Or? Well, I think actually what he did was because we had the demo of Mad World, which sounded pretty similar to the actual yeah. uh, record. But Chris added some toms on yeah. the, to heavy up the rhythm, which uh, you know is the type of thing he would do being a drummer. But it really works. It yeah. makes the whole thing so much more sort of beefy. Yeah, yeah. So how did graduate? become Tears of Fears? Well, we, Kurt and I, weren't very happy. Uh, yeah. I mean, we were kind of... We, we did this tour of Germany. It's too much like hard work. It was a two-week tour, and we were in two Sherpa vans with the band and our manager. Sounds was, familiar. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, I think we were... 
It sounds a bit ridiculous, but I think we were in tears a lot of the time. We were, lugging, is, we were I mean, lugging our own gear. Yeah, um, you know, the manager was the sound guy also. We were all dressed. It was very Dix, Dexy's Midnight Runs. This. We were all dressed in boiler suits, I think, and yeah. then, then then changed into suits to play live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was yeah. it was just all very peculiar, and and I think the rest of the the band loved it. Yes, you know, and they yeah. loved all that kind of you know being on the road and. Yeah. All the things that that entails, yeah. Um, and I, I just don't think it suited Roland and myself. We we really were kind of. It just made us very depressed. Yeah, yeah it was it was depressing, and it just was it was too much of a work ethic, right? And um, I think you know we had no choice but to become artists, you know. And that's so we used to share. We shared the bedroom um, on on the road. And I'd I'd had enough of being told what to do, basically. Yeah. And I said to Kurt, you know, I've got to leave. Was I'm this leaving. kind of like the having to get up, get in the van, get on and do a sound check, and you know? Yeah, it, there was it, no real time for you. You have vocal problems because obviously you can't. You're not a professional singer at that yeah, point. Of course. Yeah, no, it's like you know, you got to get on with it. You got to do this. You got to. It was like yeah, it's not. That's not what we're it's about. Like been know? in the army. Well, we're fragile. <laughs> exactly. We're fragile. We're sensitive. But also, I think being outvoted by people that we were realising more and more weren't particularly creative Yeah, were, um, was getting a little much Did you connect then th- through the band or was it before the band? Well we'd been, in ba- we'd been um, playing together since we were at 14 Okay so, so was we, were, connection we were there, in then? a band before graduate Kurt only joined graduate because we couldn't we kept getting these bass players and you know what they're like you know um, <laughs> Thanks. We kept getting these. Oh, you're one now. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, we kept getting these. We kept getting these bass players who were just unreliable. Yeah. And so, I just, I snuck round to Kurt's apartment, and he, he, you weren't a bass player, were you? I, I didn't even know how to play guitar. I, and so, I, I secretly taught him the bass parts to That's all the graduate stuff. Wow, wow, wow. So we came wow. along to rehearsal. He knew everything, and he got the gig. But, God, you know, that's fantastic. Um, Kurt's not a team player, so he started to <laughs> revolutionise things from yeah. within. <laughs> wow. Yes. I mean, I would say that you're more of a kind of McCartney-style bass player. Not style, but kind of like, you know, assertive and, you know, I mean, you know, bass players are, you know, often well, I mean, also sluggish. Players, and <laughs> also, also bass player singers. You know, bass, bass player singers, singers yeah, not, a few and far between, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll take the McCartney thing. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's of course. Fine. That one works. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the, for the, me. Yeah, <laughs> but but um, the the idea of having two frontmen was kind of you know yeah. different as well. I mean, he came fully formed, really. I mean, because I, I remember you know uh, everybody falling in love with Tears Affairs. I remember Mad World being number one. I remember loving Pale Shelter and, and, and buying that myself. My sister had the album. It was like one of the only records that would ever kind of you know sneakily get and 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 play um when she was out so i mean how did you get to what the world saw as a seemingly formed band called tears of affairs well i think it was the where where music had got to yeah so we were very much copying what was around the duo being in a duo yeah suddenly became hip or de rigueur yeah it was the, it was the thing to to do so you had People like Soft Cell, 
Yeah. Pet Shop uh, Boys. Pet Shop Boys. Well, yeah. they were a bit after us. Yeah. Orchestral yeah. maneuvers in the dark. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I remember Lotus Eaters and China Crisis. Yeah. Um, it, ex- exactly. So, it, and then it, it was this idea that we play synthesizers. You'd look down at your shoes and you'd <laughs> you'd have a Revox on stage or something like that. It was extremely anti-rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, at the yeah. Time and there was a. Yeah. This is where I think we slightly differentiated between sort of. Soft Cell and Depeche Mode, um, because we sneakily and slyly were musicians. Yeah, you know, also so weren't we, particularly fashionable. We were. We, 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 <laughs> we had were our roots. We had our roots in prog rock and things yeah. like that, which yeah. over the years started to sort of sneak into the music. I remember a lot of people wanting your hair. This yeah. is true. Yeah, you know the uh, kind Kurt of. The, wants, <laughs> the, I, would, I would like my hair back as well, but you know. Unfortunately, it's too far gone now. Um, Yeah, no, I think that slightly different because we had more influences than just what was current at the time. Yeah, of course. I mean, we discussed on the, you know, when we were doing The Hurting before, when I'm listening to, you know, a a bit of of the song The Hurting, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we stole that from Peter Gabriel. Yeah, it was uh, electric guitars. And I I love love Prague, anyway. I mean, I came to Prague very late, you know, but... (laughs) I think, you know, started with punk and got to prog. It's kind of quite the opposite. Well, yeah, we started <laughs> the other way around. Yeah, yeah. we start with kind of like heavy rock to start with. I mean, we were, but but like slightly abstract, you know. Uh, I mean, like Blue Oyster Cult, we were huge fans. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when we first played in the band, the cover songs we would do when we were like 14 would be Thin Lizzy or Alex Harvey Band or yeah. that kind of stuff. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Let's kick off the listening party with the first song from The Hurting. Here's the title track, The Hurting. Tell me about that first song. Well, Kurt had been out to a show yeah. one night in Bath. Uh, it was Electric Guitars, incredible band from Bristol. Right. Um, very Talking Heads kind of influenced. Yeah. They were opening for Thompson Twins when they were uh, oh, yeah. like a rock seven band. Piece. When, when they were seven-piece. Seven piece. Oh, wow. Percussion. I, 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 Percussion-based. I don't remember that band. version. Well, of no. I mean, yeah. they they morphed into this sort of Trio. human league, Trio, yeah. human league part two. Um, <laughs> yeah, they were they were they were fantastic when they were seven. Wow. Piece. So wow, uh, wow, wow. Yeah. the electric guitars started off. If I'm remembering correctly, the drummer had you know came on stage with his drumsticks and he's tapping on the stage floor. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So if you look, go to our shout video. Yeah. Which is another bit of trivia for you. Is we that's what we do as well. So we nicked it. We nicked it. And um, so Kurt described me the music. Yeah. And I had a guitar in my hands, and I said, "You mean like this?" Was, and that was yeah, the start. Exactly like that. That was the, the start of the hurting. So basically, doing what I've done over the years yeah. um, to great success, stealing ideas from his mind 
without him realising, yeah. especially <laughs> when he's asleep. You know, so... Um, and when, also, to be honest with you, Electric Guitars had a, a song called Continental Shelf. It was a single, and it was, right. it was absolutely brilliant, but, wow. but not really poppy pop, you know? Yeah. And The Hurting is a little bit like that. Wow. And then what's, like, lyrical... Well, again, we, we 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 have to. We can't really talk about the hurting without talking about um, Arthur Janov and the Primal Scream, mm-hmm. uh, the book, the Primal Scream, yeah. book, Prisoners of Pain, Primal Man, and New Consciousness, mm-hmm. um, because that's what was driving us. And what you, we talked about earlier. Well, why, why did you split up from Graduate? Because we were believers. We were believers yeah. in Janov's Primal Theory. Yeah. We were evangelical, yeah. you know, and that totally made us different and separate from the other guys yeah. because we had a religion, yeah. you know, and it was all about, um, you know, quite simplistically, you know, it's what the events that happened to you in childhood, with, you don't come from a particularly loving home or there's trauma in childhood. Yeah. And that that makes you, leaves you with a kind of a, 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 not much of a sense of self. Yeah, you know, uh, you are traumatized, you are damaged, and therefore you're going to spend the rest of your life looking for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's where we started with with primal theory. And primal theory was um, it became very popular because someone posted the book Primal Scream through um, John Lennon's letterbox. Yeah. You know. So John Lennon had split up from the Beatles, um, and again, he was looking for himself. You know, he'd had all this pain, and he didn't quite understand why. So he he did about six, six weeks uh, therapy with Arthur Janoff, yeah. and he, he wrote the song Mother mm-hmm. during that period. Yeah. And um, incredibly painful music so that was the thing that that drove us absolutely drove us and it's the whole i mean you've got songs like ideas as opiates yeah which is uh the title of a chapter yeah yeah <laughs> it's a yeah. nick yeah you know have you obviously dedicated to the book and yeah you know the yeah. practice and mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i mean it was it was part and parcel of us trying to find ourselves yeah more than anything else yeah and doing it yeah. together it's yeah. like yeah. so encouraging yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, how many times people have come up to us and they relate to that album, and I mean like 18 to 22-year-olds now. Yeah. That That's, you know, that listen to The, the Hurting. I mean, we yeah. played a a show in, um, I think it was outside of Nashville, called Bonnaroo, it's a famous Oh, yeah, another festival, festival yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Um, and it's primarily younger people. Yeah. You know, so, so we're on, we're, we're thinking we'll probably play for maybe a couple of thousand who may have heard of us before. Yeah. Um, but it was jammed, and primarily all these younger people were singing every lyric to every song off the hurting. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, that was the one they relate to the most. Yeah. And then you look at them and you think, oh, that, that makes sense, because that's the age we were at when, when, we, when it was written. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we have... If you write, you know, music that has some meaning, and especially if it's, you know, identifiable to an uh, an age group, yeah, it will continue to be identifiable to that age group throughout your career. Yeah. So we now find ourselves with, you know, a mixed audience when we go and play. It will be people of our generation. It will be people of that are eighteen years old. Down, I mean, down to people that are thirteen, fourteen years old. Um, it's a very mixed audience we play to now. Because so, yeah, it's uh, relatable. 
Speaking of relatable, tell me about the second track, Mad World. It's going to sound a bit hard to believe, but... Um, I like hard to believe. <laughs> well, I was living with my girlfriend, who became my first wife, uh, in a flat in the centre of Bath, yeah. above a pizza restaurant. Beautiful. Yeah, I go there a lot. Yeah, yeah. The smells... <laughs> um, Not the pizza place, Bath. No. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was obsessed with the radio, Radio 1, and uh, hit songs and the new, any sort of new style of music that yeah. was coming out. And I I heard, um, it was uh, Duran Duran, this is why it's unbelievable, Girls <laughs> on Film. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was immediately struck by the rhythm of the guitar part. Yeah. So it's you know, so yeah. um I I I immediately tried that kind of rhythm on an acoustic guitar. Yeah. Now in terms of the you know, the the mood of the lyric, um I was also obsessed with a song by Paul Simon called Still Crazy After All These Years. Mm -hmm. No, it well. It suited me at the time because I was kind of feeling, well, very depressed. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd left school. I had no structure. Yeah. I wasn't working. I was on the dole. And I was looking out at the, looking, you know, out of the window down at all these people going to work and um, daily races yeah. going nowhere and all that kind of stuff. So it was a real uh, amalgam of, of that sort of sense of, sense of depression and detachment yeah. with yeah. this um, rhythm. So. Yeah. Uh, we we went into the demo studio, um, Ian's Ian Stanley's demo studio. He had a CR seventy eight, yeah, an MXR pitch transposer, uh -huh. and a JP four Roland JP four synthesizer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So instead of putting the rhythm on the guitar, yeah. it didn't sound any good on the rig guitar. Yeah, uh, we put the rhythm on the CR seventy eight. Yeah, we put the CR seventy eight through the MXR pitch transposer. Yeah. I sang it. And it was like, ah, oh, so boring. It sounded so dead, you know? Right. And I was, I was like, I don't like it. Kurt, you sing it. <laughs> and and it's just like, oh, my God. Wow. It was so, so different. It was like he was meant to sing it. Wow. And um, yeah, we had a great demo, but we, we didn't think, I guess because the chorus is two notes. Yeah. Mad world, mad world. Mad world. I mean, it's like, we, that's why we didn't think it was going to be a hit. <laughs> I, lo I love the idea of, you know, like writing on an acoustic guitar. I mean, I, I do all my writing on acoustic guitars, but I never think that's how it's going to end up, you know, no. or else it's, it's, that's all been done before, hasn't it? Yeah, but exactly. I mean, to, to, to be able to write and, you yeah, know, pretty hear. much everything on The Hurting was on an acoustic guitar. Really. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. transposed. We had no studio. I mean, we went and used Ian's studio after we met him, but they were all written on guitar. You know, and it's weird when, when you look back on it because we were always called a synth duo, yet neither of us are, <laughs> neither of us are keyboard yeah, players. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You've got a guitar player and a bass player. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we, I always found that when people called us that, I always found it very peculiar because, you know, neither of us were that. And the CR, did he say CR70? CR78. CR78, that's a drum machine, isn't it? That, like, a square thing. Yeah, a the brown. It's a little square thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was originally sort of invented for sort of organ players, yeah, you know. It sounds, it sounds so like you've got a rumba, yeah, you've got yeah, a rumba, yeah, and a big, yeah, big yeah, ween, yeah. and that kind of stuff. And you could just about, it would give you a click. You couldn't, and so you had to program it manually. Yeah. 
You had yeah. to play along, and it wouldn't quantize. Yeah, yeah. And it's got some weird. So well, if you use it now, like, it's hard to get it lined yeah. up, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You know, cause, I mean, I've used one in the studio, not recently, but a couple of years ago. But it did, it did sound like one of those, you know, with the old organs that had the little rhythm yeah. machine in it. Good. That's what it sounded like. But that's why we had put it through the pitch transposer because down that's, that's or, the, uh, or down, down, yeah, down with down. regen, yeah, ah. regeneration, which is so. what made it sound bloop, the way bloop, it sounds. Bloop. Nice, yeah. wow, that's so a lot darker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Much guess, darker. Much darker. Yeah. And I guess, you know, I guess it uh, appealed to like, Nine Inch Nails and people like that. And well, it's a very melancholy song. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and uh, has an overall sense of sort of disillusionment and not belonging. And, and that's where we were, you know, at the time. As mm-hmm. Ron said, we were both on the dole at the time. Yeah. But we looked at people that had nine to five jobs and knew that wasn't for us. And we yeah. knew we couldn't do that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah just wasn't in us so another, another we're going to have to keep doing this until we may hopefully make a living out of it yeah. and then I suppose like I mean you know with the film um, Donnie, Donnie, Donnie Darko, Darko I, yeah. I guess it meant that you never had to work again right <laughs> well we never well, had to work again anyway but that was yeah. just that was a nice bonus exactly. yeah. I mean I always sort of like you know went through life thinking that I might have to work again but you know. well I always do yeah. yeah I always sort of keep it in the back of my mind I'm Always ready to stack shelves. And yeah, I mean, even even right up until like well, our fifth you know album, you know. I, I like... do. I'm very good. <laughs> I especially know where the sticky toffee pudding is. Yeah, well, that's always good to know. That's always good to know. Anyway, Kurt, Roland, let's hit the classic, Mad World. Like, I suppose, like with the singles, you know, the the big three, we'll call them, yeah. um, on on the album. As you were writing them, did you think, oh my god, this is like really happening? Yeah. Well, we thought we had two songs, uh, "Suffer the Children" yeah. and "Pale Shelter" demos, and we we were pretty confident that one of them would be a hit. Yeah. So we went to all the record companies and played them, and we had two companies interested, right. and and one who went for it phonogram at the time yeah yeah dave bates and so when we got to doing mad world was lying around was due to be the b-side of pale shelter during its first release yeah and um we took it into the record company and dave said no no he goes no 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 it's a good david (laughs) he said he he said that's that's a single and i'm really okay so, which is when we started working with Chris Hughes. And we recorded that, and uh, a combination of all the people, the right place at right time, and Kurtz uh, sang it absolutely brilliantly. And, you know, the rest is history. Yeah, no, I mean, we were lucky enough at, at that point in time, which I, I honestly don't believe would happen today. Um, you know, we, as Ron said, we had two songs. We had Suffer the Children and Pearl yeah, Shelter, and, yeah. and they released both those, and we were only signed for two singles. Yeah. Um, but Dave Bates, you know, for all his faults and and uh, he uh, <laughs> and what are they? <laughs> uh, well, you know, he can be a little opinionated at times. Yeah. Um, 
but we love him. But he convinced the label that we should, you know, they should sign us for an album. So wow. we, even though we had two singles that did nothing, effectively, they got some radio play. Um, but he convinced them to let us do do an album, and Mad World was the next, the, the first song, effectively, off the album. Yeah. Uh, we thought at that point in time, it was just to get us some like critical acclaim. No one actually, and I don't think even Dave did, right. think it was going to be a hit single. Right. They thought it was just the uh, the coolest thing it's on the album, and very cool. And magazines like which were important back then, like Enemy and things yeah. like that, and John Peel, yeah. they would love this yeah. track because yeah. it's interesting and it's different. And I don't think anyone really expected it to take off the way it did. Well, Dave takes the the credit for the marketing. He's saying it's the way it was marketed, <laughs> and <laughs> um, because they had these posters, they put these posters up around London of this giant pink duck. Now this is this is a true story. Yeah. And everyone was going, well, what's the Pink Duck about? And <laughs> everyone's saying it's a new single by Tears for Fears <laughs> called Mad World. And I don't believe that for one minute. But no. that's <laughs> no. It's wow. an interesting story. Wow. They were everywhere though. Yeah, they were. Yeah? yeah, yeah. Was that that wasn't the sleeve though, was it? Or no, was it? not at all. There was, there, was a, there, was a, there was a duck on the sleeve. Right. You know, if you yeah, looked closely. Was... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> behind us on the pond. Right. Yeah. Um, in in Hyde Park, but um, uh, no, it was uh, just some weird marketing idea. But no, I, I mean, I think it was just the strength of the song in the end, uh, as we've come to learn over the years with the various different versions that have been done yeah. of it. It can work on so many different levels, um, and I think the the strength of the song sh- shone through. And it was a very different recording for for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't really sound like anything else. No, I suppose so many people have covered it. Yeah. And do you have a favourite? Yeah. Yeah. Susan Boyle. Oh, is it on her album, or is it just like on no, on the TV it's, show? I mean, it's quite incredible. Yeah, it's on her album. Yeah. And uh, I mean, sometimes you don't know who's covering it because yeah. it gets yeah. covered all the time, <clears> and you. It's Someone, been on, you it's get been on sort of American Idol and all those. Ye- oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. But Su- Susan Boyle people. does it beautifully. I don't tell you another one who can who sings it really well is Lily Allen. Wow. And it's just like wow. Uh, Brandy Carlisle did it as well, but she just did it on on Twitter. She it was her at home playing it. Mm. Wow, that must be kind of quite yeah. a thing, you know. No, it's interesting. And and you know I mean when when other people do your songs the ones that are interesting are always are always the versions that are nothing like your version yeah like when someone does it the way you did it it doesn't it's not that interesting because you know we obviously believe we did we did it that way the best yeah of course um, yeah so it's it's the different versions and the different interpretations of it that we find interesting yeah time for another song let's play track number three Pale Shelter. That's my favourite song on the record. Can you tell me about that, please? The title comes from a painting, painting. by Henry Moore. Oh, nice. Because my uh, late wife was an you know, artist, uh, yeah. painter, and so she was big into that kind of stuff. And yeah. I just thought it was an amazing title for a 
Yeah, it's a beautiful title. For, for a, a song, and it's, it's well, you know, again, it's not one of those woe is me, lots of woe is me yeah. songs on the hurting, and another one. But it sounds like a love song. You know? Yeah. It sounds like it's between a, a man and a woman. Yeah. But it could be back from a child to a parent or a mother. Yeah. You know, um, is it, how can I be sure? You know, is that I mean, old, yeah, it's gorgeous. That, gorgeous uh, singing, yeah. Old, um, what song was that? How can I be sure in a world that's constantly uh, changing? Yeah. David Partridge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the Partridge family. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, so, I mean, Pale Shelter is such an interesting, intriguing title, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. We still like playing that. Yeah. yeah, it's a good line. Yeah, yeah it's a breath because it's, it's breath of fresh air. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, we've gone on to do, which is you know interesting when we play a lot of the stuff from the hurting now. Uh -huh. um, everything kind of opens out a bit, you know, because obviously as the years went on, we, our production has got more and more dense. Yeah, and um, you know the things I find fault in with the hurting now, which is it, it to to me production wise, it might sound a little twee when you put it in everything in the middle of everything else we play live it's it really is a breath of fresh air because it it's a lot more open there's not right. tons of things on it you know there's not yeah. layers and layers of, of production yeah yeah um so it gives you a chance to breathe which i think is 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 works wonderfully when we play these songs in the middle of other songs yeah i mean i, I can imagine pale shelter next to like so in the seats of love yeah, and it being exactly. you know, but but then you need that you need that you don't definitely you? because need it's like that, yeah. you know you know because I, I, I mean it shows where you've been and sort of like yeah. enlightens things well, it's up like, and it's like recording an album you know to me an album always really needs to kind of be a journey and it yeah. needs those peaks yeah. and troughs and, and so does live work you know I, yeah. I don't I, I don't enjoy live shows that are really all on one level no um, you know no. I like to be taken on a bit of a journey and, yeah. and those moments where you can kind of just listen and you know those moments where, that will physically move you I mean they're very different ideas as opiates um, right, yeah, some nice sax on that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's playing that? <laughs> Why I think it's Mel, Mel Collins. Mel Collins. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. but again, that's um, it's influenced percussion-wise, beat-wise by Peter Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. There's a kind of little bit of Biko in there. Yeah. Um, not not anywhere near as good as that song. But yeah, as I said, Ideas as Opiates was a, a chapter in one of Yanov's books. I can't remember it. We could Google it. I think it was in Prisoners of Pain. Prisoners of Pain. There you go. And it's, um, you know, it's, he, he, he had a lot of theories, Yanov, and it's some of them, looking back, were kind of simplistic. It's uh -huh. really about um, everybody having a belief system. Yeah. And once you are convinced of that belief no matter what it is even if it's atheism you cling on to it you hold mm. on to it because it shapes your reality and it makes you feel better yeah you know and then until someone comes along and doesn't believe what you believe then you have an argument yeah so uh, he he would um yanov would say you know it's i you get a certain kind of idea and it actually produces opiates in your brain or, yeah you know the equivalent um Religion being the opiate of the message. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. It's quoting Karl Marx. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good man. That's what this show's all about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the Marx Brothers. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's kind of... It's a simple song. I, I don't like it. But, you, know. you don't like it? No. It's Even fine. though it's in, you know, kind of inspired by Peter Gabriel? Or? Yeah, no, I mean, I think... I just don't know. 
I think you don't like the vocal. Probably, I don't like the vocal. The, um, the st- I, mean, I, 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 I like the drums. Yeah. I like the sax. Yeah. I like the vo- vocal. Right you know. Yeah, I, like, I like the idea that you mentioned Peter Gabriel. He, yeah. he has a Bath connection, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he lives I used to play tennis with him. Yeah, I used to yeah. go running with yeah. him. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, he's definitely. When we were recording at Real World, I would be oh, yeah. running with him. In the which album did he do? Uh, um, or which Caesar albums? Love. Love. Did he? Wow, well, wow. Well. And then we did a bunch of uh, rehearsals for Lion yeah. there as well. And um, did Caesar Love uh, take a long time? I remember that one took, taking quite yeah, a long time, yeah. yeah. Long time. yeah. Although, yeah. you know. Nice nice place to spend uh, for yeah. you know a while in. Yeah. Yeah. Real World. And I love the simplicity of the two chords. And also, um, yeah, I was going to say going back to that whole thing about an album being a journey that's a nice down part of the record that really does give it a chance to breathe so I I think all the the tracks the running order of an album and and what they do to you throughout that album and the journey they take you on is very important that's why to me that's still a great track on that album there's also that strange chord because it's, yeah. there's a clash chord in there so not, not the clash a chord <laughs> yeah, a that chord, clashes a chord that clashes <laughs> and it's um i think it's uh, like a major and minor third together yeah. and we were doing we were doing this session for Radio One when we were kids. We were kids, and we, Did you know, you go in there and yeah. you you have to re-record everything yeah. in a few hours. And I remember playing the piano part or something or the guitar part, and I hit that chord and the tape stopped. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I think you made a mistake. I said, no, 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 no. That's so funny. <laughs> it was very funny. I think it was a John Peel. Yeah. Wasn't Dale Griffin? Was it? Who stopped it? It was. Was it? Yes. Yeah. It was pretty. Uh, yeah, it's pretty uh, vocal. Uh, yeah. With with our Peel sessions as well. <laughs> I'm sure he stopped the tape more than once. <laughs> <laughs> Get um, it right. Yeah. Okay. This is ideas as opiates on Absolute Radio. Fourth track from The Hurting, Ideas as Opiates. I mean, you know, when it comes to sequencing an album, I mean, can you remember kind of like, you know, the order and stuff like that? Did you have, you know, with this album being your first one, did you have much of a say in the order of the album? I mean, I'm sure you do yeah, now. Always, I'm sure you do now, yeah. but... Well, we, we knew we wanted to start yeah. with Hurting. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. that was the, you know, the title track and the yeah. signature yeah. track of the album. Yeah. Um, no, I think we always have a say in the running order, obviously. Yeah. Um... And it's it, again, but that goes back to kind of you just play them back to back, and you you there's a feeling you, you yeah. just you just know when it's right yeah, 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 and when yeah, it's not yeah. right. I get that. Yeah, you know, you know, no, that sounds wrong, or that's you know too major after something minor, or you get to that point where you go, I, I need a breath of fresh air here. Yeah. That's where tracks like track four ideas as opiates yeah. come in, or listen on songs from the big chair, stay on the tipping point, the latest album, those tracks where you need that kind of moment to just breathe. I really love Tipping Point, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, track four, very, very important as, uh, you know, I think track seven is very important for me as well. And the closers, but we'll get on to them yeah. a, a, little, a little bit later. Uh, next up, Memories Fade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, uh, I mean, classic. It's again, it's, 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 
it's pure Yanov. It's uh, yeah. memories fade, but the scars still linger. And it's this idea that, you know, your conscious mind will let go of things, but um, something traumatic gets stored in the body or, or the brain. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's what the Indian philosophers call a samskara. Mm-hmm. And uh, they get lodged and they unfortunately have sort of unconscious needs so this sort of stuff that's sort of hidden and not felt starts to exert its influence on you until it's recognized and sort of brought into the light so that's kind of the idea memories fade but the scars still linger and again i think that's i mean that is one song lyrically that i'm extremely proud of um we played it we don't play it so much nowadays but we went through a whole period of playing that yeah and inspired as well by Kanye west did a interpolation shall we say i read about that called coldest winter you mean ripoff how did you feel about it uh i'm i'm happy yeah you know but he didn't ask permission so right you get into all kinds of trouble when you do that right so uh, and again it's i think the lyrics you know with hungry joy I'll be your toy. Yeah. You know, it's like, I where did that come from? I must have been sort of reading, you know, must come straight out of Yanov. It must do. Wow. You know, and uh, it's it's a very, it's a very individual and different uh, a lyrical approach to that song, which again, it's like, well, who are you talking about? You talk, is this a man, a man to a woman again? Or is this a child to, uh, you know, a parent? Yeah, yeah. Wow, fascinating. Rhythmically, I find, you know, that track interesting, you know, because it's, it's a very sort of weird syn- syncopated yeah. rhythm, drum-wise and bass-wise, yeah. which sort of makes it interesting. And sax again? Is that? Um, yeah, Mel yeah. again. Yeah, think, Mel again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it yeah. was the, you know, it was 80s. It was the, it was, the <laughs> sax was popular then. I, I, I made an album with um, just, you know, electronic drums, sax and piano. Well, yeah, it's fantastic. Mate, only a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think it's still, it's still, like top of the list. Great. Well, it's come back again now. You know, I mean, if you go see the nineteen seventy five play live, right, sax, right, sax, yeah, yeah, I'll have to check it out. I think they, uh, but but they do it in the same way because he looks like he's from the area. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think that's intentional. Right. You okay. Know. Yeah. Okay, let's hear Tis Fears Memories Fade. So this is like the 40th year anniversary of, of, the, of, hurting. of the hurting, and there's yeah. a bunch of extra tracks. So you did it at half half speed, but that's that that would just be the vinyl. So what was the process with the remastering? Well, you hand it over to Stephen Wilson. That's what you do. <laughs> yes, yes, I know Stephen. I know Stephen very well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. and so. Uh, Make so this, of that, but make was that good of that? Dolby Atmos, though. Um, oh yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you like the difference in, in, the, in the Atmos? 
Um, it's interesting. I mean, you really need to be in a specific place to listen to it. Yes. So, um, while I I think it's um it's amazing to listen to and and a great exercise, like in the grand scheme of things, how useful is it? I I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's really for audiophiles more than anyone else. Yeah. You know, I mean, and especially as to a younger audience. I mean, even you know, a lot of mixing now, it's. It's you know everyone listens on earbuds. Yeah, you know that's primarily what people listen to. I think if it sounds good coming out your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's kind of. Well, you end up listening to things like 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 that. You all listen to it out of a laptop computer speaker or out of your phone, as well as they're the new aura tones. Yeah, you know. (laughs) So, like when when you're in a studio, you have like a laptop set up, your phone, and yeah, exactly, and uh, Dolby Atmos, just to make sure you can hear (laughs) everything all the time. Yeah. Um, so for the children well that was our very first single and um, again it's you know Yanov isn't it yeah Yeah. did you read this book in between (laughs) in between like graduate and the idea well no we were doing it in graduate but that's why we we were that's why you left and one of the reasons so that was the Um, calling it's the idea of the child as the victim yeah which um, I mean that comes from well that's what Yanov preached and that's what Yanov believed he believed he didn't really believe that we had uh, we're born with a soul and a spirit and a destiny Mm -hmm. or a dharma he didn't he didn't believe that at all and that's you know and it was like birth is traumatic you know and you know intrauterine experience is traumatic and then you come out and the doctor slaps you on the backside and that's traumatic and everything's traumatic and it's yeah. like yeah. And, he, and, he also and therefore if you pay me money no yeah. <laughs> he also believed you know the children came in a complete blank slate yeah which, it's called tabla rasa, tabla rasa theory yeah. which uh, which yeah. which you know once you have kids you know is utter nonsense and also if you yeah. understand astrology astrology yeah you know it's rubbish as well but yeah. I, I'm not I did primal therapy for about five years in London during yeah. the Seeds of Love writing Seeds of Love yeah and I found it incredibly beneficial but it really was quite simply a process of mourning yeah yeah. you know nothing more yeah um, outrageous than that yeah and it helped yeah that's why I'm perfectly fine now yeah <laughs> <laughs> I found um Transcendental meditation was my kind of like key. There you go, meditation, yeah. and and it's also we've been talking a lot about this with the new album, the Tipping Point, because yeah. Kurt and I were banging on about um, the traumas of our childhood and how difficult it was. Oh my God, oh, you know. Yeah. And the thing with life is, it's you get traumatized when you're an adult as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> when you lose someone that you loved, yeah. or you know, or. or parent dies or people die or something awful happens to you so the traumas don't go away they just keep coming you know and so teenage angst turns into middle-aged angst yeah that's true actually man angst um you know it's uh it's it's a process you go through you know but it's um yeah i mean i think with with arthur janov i I think I, i lost the plot with him when he took us to lunch i think yeah. Um, well, he came to one of our shows. He came to the, what was the Hemsmithonian at that point yeah. in time. I don't know what iteration the name is now, but it's called something else. Um, and uh, he invited us to lunch. 
with the and we thought you know we were going to lunch with God and his prime motive was to ask us to do a musical about primal theory. Yeah. Um, he was so Hollywood. It was a little primal scream the musical. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little upsetting. So it's just the three of you in a cafe somewhere. No, it was, it was we had our wives. Yeah. And he had his was it his wife or girlfriend? I think girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah. 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 Fancy restaurant in Kensington. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, we had different reactions to him. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. I had the same kind of thing as like, never meet your heroes. It, but I was yeah. just about to say that. Yeah. yeah. Never meet your heroes, and it was like, this guy's. Yeah. He's he's just a, he's a guru. He's yeah. A guru. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he, yeah. He was a self promoter in a big way. Yeah. It was a big guy. I mean, guru is a flawed, a huge, huge personality. Yeah. You know. Head of the table. Or middle table, middle of the table, middle of the table. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah. That's 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 really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Let's hear the first song on side two of the album, "Suffer the Children." about who decides to sing what it, it kind of becomes obvious yeah. i think you know because we have two very different voices uh-huh so you so, just uh, is if one's not working you someone else tries it or is it like oh no i really feel like i've got to sing this and it's like no i want to sing it mm, we we don't really argue about who's yeah. singing stuff we, i don't think we ever have no it becomes very apparent yeah yeah, because because they're different voices. You yeah, know, mine's yeah. softer. It's certainly more melancholic. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, while we're being, if we're going to be confessional, Kurt's vocals on the hurting the album are great. Mine are awful. <laughs> and um, they're not. That no, I don't, I don't agree. But I'm, I, I don't, I'm still laughing. I don't, I don't think that I learned to sing properly. I didn't discover my voice till Seeds of Love. Right. Uh, That's a great vocal, yeah. Seeds of Love and Woman in Chains and yeah, Bad Man yeah, song yeah. and all that kind of stuff. That's more, I'm more of a sort of, um, I like to articulate, you know, yeah. jump around and do yeah, vocal. Yeah. If it requires vocal acrobatics, that acrobatics, would not be me. Whereas Kurt is, you know, he's got one of those voices that can sing a simple melody. Yeah. In a way, I'm not too good at that, you know. Hmm. I don't know. Well, you're very kind. You're very kind. <laughs> I think you know. I mean, it's yeah, just comes across as comes across as one. There you go. Great. Next up, watch me bleed. Yeah, another. You know, another. I mean, they're they're all kind of like really serious yeah, themes, cool. aren't they? I mean, I, 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 I'm me? imagining you were like early, very early twenties. You know, no late teens. Yeah, late, okay, nineteen. So to have a, a you know to have an album with this yeah. kind of theme and yeah. I mean it's it's pretty heavy, isn't it? Really, well, we it's very a, heavy. We, yeah, we got a lot of stick in the press. When did we, you? Yeah, when we did interviews, we we ended up arguing with so many interviewers. You I did. think, okay, I did. <laughs> um, you know, you're far too young to be talking about this kind of stuff. You know, and it was mm. yeah, people, interviewers, and the press really didn't like it at all. But I suppose you're closer to we that age. So intense, you know. You know but wow, well, it was emo. Yeah. It was quite, quite clearly, quite simply emo, and wow, it's like, well, I mean, you know, we talked about girls on film by Duran Duran, but of course, you go, 
go to the other side and it's it's uh, Joy Division. Yeah. Love will tear us apart. They get mentioned I mean, every time every show they get mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they do no, because it's like what they did was they made it okay to start, you know, unloading yeah. emotionally yeah. in in music because they it was staggering. You could feel the sort of stress and the yeah. inner rage yeah. and the yeah. demons in yeah. that guy. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, hey, I've got them too. Not yeah. quite as bad, but I've got them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, they get mentioned all the time. I mean, yeah. um, I mean, they've always been my favourite band. I, I think that yeah. I, so if somebody doesn't bring them up, I bring them up. But Yeah. Make sure they get mentioned all the time. Let's play that track we were just talking about, Watch Me Bleed. Change. Mm. I was going to say Pearl Shelter was my favourite, but Change might be my favourite too. So. Oh, wow. Well, that's, that's interesting because that's, that's the sort of the one with the least depth, you know. But again, Breath of Fresh Air. Um, I mean, when we play it live, I think it was on the album my least favourite when, when we first did it. Um, yeah, I think without question because it didn't have the depth lyrically of like, right. the rest of the songs. Um, it was originally uh, written for Caroline. Yeah. Caroline did the original vocal. My, yeah. My late wife. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She was going to release it under the name Irene Shimshak. Right. Um, don't know what happened there. So you uh, wrote it for you wrote it for Caroline. Well, no, it was just a song lying around. Yeah. So yeah. we, she came in, did the demo, and Kurt said, "Oh, I like that song." So then Kurt sang it, and then crazy, and then we put it on. Because it started off, it wasn't marimbas. It was mm-hmm. kind of like more of a yazoo. Uh, yazoo, type, wow. Type synthesized. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. So when, then we put it on marimbas. It sounds completely different. Yeah. Yeah. But that, you walked into the room, I just had to laugh. Yeah. The face you wore was, was cool. cool. You, were you were a photograph. But that was kind yeah. of, that was Julian Cope. Yeah. That was, that was well, in, 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 in the days, because um, he was on the same label, he was um, Dave Bates' sort of big hit project before us. So was this like when he had World Shut Your Mouth kind of like? Time, no, this time. was a bit later. Um, that was Wilder. Wilder, Wilder, Wilder. came out. Wilder, which so is Taylor Picks Worlds, then, yeah. Which is why my second reward is called Wilder. Really, reward, yeah. Big Julian fan then. Yeah, well, teardrop. teardrop. Yeah, teardrop. So explodes. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, I'm working. Um, Oh, I've been working quite a lot recently with a artist called Thypol Sandra, and he was uh, he played for Julian Cope quite a lot, right. like, like three or four albums, Ar- Ar- Armageddon, right. Right. A Jehovah Kill, right? Th- those kind of things. Yeah, last my smile. I think last my smile. I was still living in New York when he played in New York. That was gone. But uh, Thypol Sandra this morning told me that um, that Liz Fraser from Cocktail Twins has your Yamaha CS80. Are you sure? Well, she didn't take it. She bought it. um, Are you sure it's not a DX1? No. CS80, yeah. Unless it was the E&L one? I didn't have one. No? No. 
Oh, maybe it's she's just in the studio. She's been sold up the Swanee. And that, yeah. and that off because they're, 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 they're very stuff. expensive, you know? Yeah, so. the CS80, that was the synthesizer used on these the synth lead solo on the end of Ashes to Ashes. Right, right. There you go. Yeah. It's Vangelis, isn't it? Who kind of like oh, used it a lot. Yeah. yeah, he used that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that was a rubbish story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think she's going to be upset, though. She's going to be upset, yeah. She's probably not listening. I mean, yeah. I she yeah. wants to listen to my show. <laughs> she's amazing, isn't she? She is brilliant, yeah. yeah. I mean, I just... Because he also um, worked on a latest solo um, album that's just come out. or I think it might have just been an EP. I think yeah. I think it took a long time, and they just got four tracks, I think, brilliant. so... It still sounds fantastic. Anyway, um, yeah, change. So I, I remember I used to go to this school disco. Uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a post-school disco. Like, so, right. so between maybe 16 and maybe I was still at school, but I kind of like remember going there and liking Adam and the Ants. I remember going there and I would wear, uh, you know, I, you know as, I was a punk. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I also remember dancing to change, so that's yeah. kind of like a, a, <laughs> yeah. a really, a really big thing. I mean, yeah. as well as like, it's funny though. I suppose like in the, in those days, because um, or maybe it still happens, but Paranoid by Black Sabbath was kind of a big one as well. And change and and music and yeah. there's no points in the story oh, at all. But it's it's but it's eclectic mix of music. Yeah. You got oh. the, but yeah. everyone used to dance to everything. So I just wanted to tell you that I had fond memories of the song we're about to hear next. Change. track coming up is The Prisoner. The Prisoner. Well, again, yeah. the title, the, you know, Prisoners of Pain. Prisoners of Pain. And yeah. The, again, that sort of uh, very eccentric, strange rhythm. Um, and that's also another track that when we were doing the Peel sessions, because what's happening, you've got a D drone in the bass, yeah. and then the organ comes in and it's playing E major. Yeah. So again, the, the moment I did that, the tape stopped. And Dale Griffin <laughs> and again. Goes, I think, I think, I think you've done it wrong. Is that how he talks? I don't know. I don't know. Probably. He was in Mother Hooper, wasn't he? So, He's, I mean... Uh, oh, yeah, where are they from? Man? I do where are they from? Yeah, London. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I think you've done it wrong. Get it wrong, mate. Anyway, so... Uh, yeah, so that was... But, yeah, I mean, again, it's... Uh, that's an interesting song, though, because I... I heard it recently because Stephen Wilson was sending through mixes because yeah, yeah. he was having to mix the album before he did the Dolby Atmos so yeah. get the balances right. And I thought that's actually one song that I I um, I like you know uh, quite a lot. And I thought for just for five minutes I was thinking we should do it live because it's crazy. It's nuts. Yeah. No, it's and when nuts. we actually when we used to do it live it was great. Yeah. I mean because it, it was weird in the middle of a set. It, it's, yeah. it's just yeah, it's, it's like the it, it's a wall of noise. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah. like this weird wall of noise in the middle of all this melody. 
Yeah. You know, and um, so, I, yeah, I used to like that when we used to play it live years back yeah. because of that. Because it's the, you know, you just don't expect it from us. You get, you know, you've got all these sort of melodic songs and then you just got this wall of weirdness that comes in in the middle of it. It's like a Lou Reed moment. Yeah. Beautiful. Let's hear it, the penultimate track on The Hurting, The Prison. Affairs with the Prisoner, the penultimate track from their debut album, The Hurting. Um, we get, sadly, uh, to the end of the album, um, which is the start of the breakdown, a perfect title for a, mm. for, for a final song. Was it always going to be the final track? I think so. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, the, the, just for the title alone, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm not joking. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of written... Uh, it wasn't written for that purpose, okay. but it, but it, but but once the song was there, and then, you know the title was start of the breakdown, it seemed obvious to have it as the last song. Yeah, I think that may have been the only song that was written on piano. Yeah, yeah. How um, so? Just... CP80 kind of chorus CP80, which was Peter Gabriel's trademark. Yeah, wow. You know, um, and then we'd had this sort of random marimba sequence, uh, which was. Inspired um, by Chris Hughes because he was very much into Steve Reich. Steve Reich, yeah, of course. Um, Systems music. Yeah. If I was to learn the piano, I'd try to be like Steve Reich. (laughs) As opposed to, you know, as opposed to Elton John. I love Elton, but but, but, but that would be my vibe, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, um, and and again, it's a very, I think Peter Gabriel 4 had come out by that time. Just, I think. Just. And um, it was like, you know, Scratch the radio. No outside voices here. That's a great Scratch the Peter watch. Gabriel impersonation. Cannot tear the data shreds. You know, and so it was like, okay, scratch the earth, let the telephone... Oh, wow. sorry. <laughs> sorry. Let you can sue me later. <laughs> <laughs> Is that... Um, are you a fan of Genesis? Yeah, uh, yeah. Genesis Live. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. more of a Peter fan than Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. Genesis I'm, was a bit too proggy for me. I really like... Um, uh, Foxtrot. Yeah, me too. R- R- really Supper, supper's R- ready. Yeah, um, so amazing. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he'd be uh, he'd be great to get on air. Yeah, he's a lovely guy. Peter, yeah. <laughs> he's a terrible tennis player, but he's a lovely yeah? guy. Yeah, well, but a good runner? He was... Uh, Average okay. runner? I mean, I kicked his ass. But, yeah? You know. <laughs> That's good. Um, That's good too. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was good. His new record seems really great. Yeah. Uh, I love the way he talks, you know, on, on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it talks like that. Um, what else have you got coming up? Well, we did a six-week tour of the States uh, this year, finishing at Hollywood Bowl, sold out Hollywood Bowl, which was amazing. Brilliant. And uh, we are, November 18, we're playing a festival in Orange County, just south of L.A., with, yeah. you know, Echo and the Bunnymen, New yeah. Order... Soft cell, yeah. yeah, fantastic. Bunch of sort of alternative eighties music. All the all the best ones. <laughs> I saw you, I saw you in uh, Orange County. I think I think I, last time I saw you was in Orange County. Right. And you had a band called Dirty Vegas 
opening for you, I think. Yeah, that's a long that time. was. It was. Yeah. I mean, it's too, about 2008. I mean, I've not, yeah. you know, I've, I remember that. Not yeah. seen you for a while. Yeah. That was the uh, Orange County Fairgrounds. I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 It's a good show. Yeah. That was the one where, because oh, wasn't the Kanye thing out by then? It was, I think, wasn't it? Um, the the version of um, of Memories Fade where he ripped it off. <laughs> um, but um, but the, the 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 hilarious thing that happened that night was I, my kids they were pretty young then and we had a nanny you know because I was playing and Veronique who was the nanny came up because we played Memories Fade after the show and said, "Gus, great, you did that Kanye song." <laughs> I'm like, really? That's so funny. That's so funny. Well, good on you for holding your vibes. Yeah. <laughs> I fired him next time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd just like to say thanks so much for oh, swinging by and talking to you about a, an amazing album. It still sounds really fresh today. And as you can tell by the you know kids in the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's still relevant. So. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and it's just like it just shows how what an important record it you know it was and is. And uh, congratulations! Thanks, Thank you. thanks, Tim. Let's finish by hearing the final track on the hurting start of the breakdown. That's Start of the Breakdown by Tears for Fears, concluding this listening party on Absolute Radio. Thank you to Kurt Smith and Roland Orzabal for talking me through the hurting. At this point in every listening party, I'd like to recommend a few records that I've been listening to this past week. So I've been listening to Ride and their album Nowhere. Um, so I've been listening to that because Charlatans have just announced that we're going on tour again with Ride in America and I thought I'd better brush up before standing at the side of the stage not being able to sing along. The Breeders, uh, I noticed that they were out on tour again and, and um, I'm a big fan. So um, I know Last Splash is the big one but I really like the album before. It's like a, a kind of teaser really, it's called Pod. It was produced by Steve Albini, and um, there's an amazing version, an amazing cover version of Happiness is a Warm God on there, as well as brilliant tracks like Oh and Glorious. <laughs> but, um, uh, and uh, yeah, so, that, so that's been uh, on, on my record player. Fantastic. I kept noticing Roy Ayers was getting played a lot in, um, in sort of like in pop up shops. I went into Flex Palace in Manchester a couple of weeks ago and I heard Roy Ayres and then I was in London and I was just at this like shop that I'd not seen before and I heard Roy Ayres, same song. So his album, Everybody Loves the Sunshine. Okay, so I've also been listening to Joanna Newsom. Um, I love all, all her albums, but um, I've been particularly listening to Divers. Every song on this episode of My Listening Party was taken from the Tears of Fears album, The Hurting. All tracks written by Roland Orzabal. The album was released on Mercury and Phonogram in March 1983. See you next time. Absolute Radio. Telling the story behind another iconic album with Tim Burgess. Get involved using the hashtag Tim's Twitter Listening Party.